0: This is Real Estate Team Builders and I'm your host Lars Hedenborg, the founder of Real Estate B-School. The real estate team building world is driven by big egos who boast about how many homes they've sold or how much GCI they've earned. We don't hear much about their low profit margins, the long hours they put in each week or the unbearable stress they endure. In fact, I've discovered that most real estate teams are losing money when you consider the amount of personal production their owners must do to make ends meet. I believe that if you want to profitably scale your real estate team without working crazy hours, enduring unhealthy levels of stress, or coming up short at home, then thinking like a business owner, building sustainable systems, and empowering your team are absolute musts. You won't find any smoke and mirrors or hype here on my podcast, just the real-world tools, systems, and strategies that work. So if you struggle to balance growing your real estate business with focusing on the areas of life that truly matter, then this show is for you today we have an awesome episode. Uh, we're talking to John Mikesh, who uh, is actually has a team that is uh, in my market just north of the Charlotte, uh, North Carolina market, but the dude lives 1,300 miles away in Bozeman, Montana. So if you want to learn how to scale your business without it relying on you, definitely pay attention today. Uh, John, you'll do 75, 80 million or so in real estate. Is that
1: about right? That's about right. Yeah, we average around $75 a year.
0: Awesome. I'm going to give you a second to introduce yourself uh, here. But, uh, you know, John is going to dive deep into uh, what I think most team leaders uh, fail to really figure out, which is agent accountability. He's got a whole platform and structure and cadence and tracking tools that he's going to dive deep into today. John, before we get into the specifics of agent accountability, uh, give a couple minutes on like got into real estate. It was hard, figured out leverage. Give us like the the, the overview of your journey.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Um, started out in real estate in 2002 in upstate New York. Real estate really invited me into its industry. Uh, I wasn't looking to be a realtor. It just kind of happened out that way and uh, did well out of the gate. I uh, knew a lot of people, grew up in my town. uh, was always very personal. So when I got in, it you know it kind of worked for me out of the gate. Uh, and then I got this harebrained idea that I was going to get married and we were going to move, you know, down South to Charlotte and it was going to be better. Right. Because it was a bigger city than where I was from. And so I jumped into real estate in Charlotte and it didn't work out so well. It was not pretty at all. Um, really almost went broke trying to figure this out. And then luckily I went to a training. I got some advice on how to grow a team and start or building some leverage. I sold a bunch of homes and then I started building a team. Right. And I was like, Oh, this is great. I got other people helping me do this work. This is going to be amazing. And then quickly it's like new level, new devil. Right. So I figured out that not all things are pretty on the team side either. And, uh, I think that's kind of when you and I came into, you know, a close relationship and started doing some coaching and we started figuring this thing out. And, uh, from there on out, you know, it was just doing, doing more of the things that were working and less of the things that weren't. And how long have you been, uh, yourself out of production? So we opened up our own independent real estate company, Roost Real Estate in 2014. And uh, I did that with the idea of owning a real estate business, not having a real estate job. And uh, you helped me put some things in place that allowed me to step out of production in 2015, uh, right around the midpoint of 2015. Um, We continued to, you know, scale the the people and the resources that we had. And I was able to pull myself out of the day-to-day in 2018, traveled around the country for almost two years and uh, ended up here in Bozeman, Montana.
0: And how much time do you spend on your business now per week?
1: Um, I spend anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes a week on my business. And then obviously I'm available to any of my people as needed, but you know, really they, they go to the channels that we've set up and, you know, I don't, I rarely, maybe in the last six months, I've maybe gotten two or three calls from people on my team um, that needed my, me to help them with something. Other than that, it's me talking to my um, COO, my operations manager that's on the ground there. And uh, we talk every Monday for about 60 to 90 minutes. Awesome. So true business owner at this point. Yeah.
0: Really good. I love that. I, I don't know that I've ever heard you say that new level, new devil. Uh, I'm going to have to at some point put my name behind uh, that one as, <laughs> uh, as something that, that I came up with. That That is unbelievably awesome. All right. So let's dig into... Um, Agent accountability. You know, so if you're gonna, if you're gonna make the shift from, you know, let's say you're a top agent, you've got a buyer agent or an administrator, or you're running a smaller, mid-sized teams, uh, team, most teams are set up the wrong way, wrong economic model. There is no accountability in place. And the team owner essentially just keeps selling a ton of homes and then invites some people in to sell with them. And it's this crazy, like not even remotely looking like a, a, a business. So Let's break down, maybe just talk a little, little generically about agent accountability, how you approached it, and then we'll get into, you know, we, we laid out the, the kind of the, the three points that you wanted to talk about, but talk about your philosophy with accountability and agent accountability specifically.
1: Yeah, so specifically for me, I find personally that I solve my biggest problems out of frustration like I'd love to say that I'm like this strategic guru and like I orchestrate all this. In the reality, what happens is I get frustrated as heck. And then I figure out that problem because I don't want to be frustrated anymore. And one of the things that really frustrated me with running a team was agents coming to me and telling me that I needed to provide more leads, that I needed to provide better leads, that, you know, there was a change. And, and, you know, all of that felt like nonsense to me. And the only way I could prove it was to get really granular on like what the metrics were of the sales cycle. So when I figured out what those metrics were and what I mean by that is like, what are the ones that matter? Because there's so many things that we could track that are important maybe to your business in real estate. Like I know that there was times, seasons in my business where open houses were an important part of our lead generation strategy. But tracking the amount of open houses that we did, didn't quantify how well or not well an agent was doing along the sales cycle. So for me, what I identified was seven key things that I needed to to be really critical about and track really well. And then what happened ultimately, and we'll foreshadow to the end of what I'm going to share with you guys today, is that it became less of my responsibility to produce. And it became more of their responsibility to produce, meaning they wouldn't come to me and have conversations that were like, yeah, it's not working anymore. Like we need more of this or more of that. It was, hey, let's take a look at what is working and what's not working. And that would always point back to them and a flaw or a weakness or a laziness that they were having within the sales cycle.
0: Awesome. So Um, so let's, let's break it down. Like you said, more, more granular. So the first area that you really figured out and, and did you figure it out? Because when you were in production, you were tracking these things and you were holding yourself accountable. Like, was there some sort of like, you know, you knew what it took to be a top agent and you were just going to hold people to the same standards or what was that transition like?
1: I didn't look at it as this is what it takes to be a top agent. I just looked at it from the standpoint of, you know, classic Michael Gerber e-myth, like nobody can do it as good as you. And we tend to stay in roles that we shouldn't be in because we think we can do it better than the next person. And that's our Achilles heel to ever growing a team. So I knew I didn't want to be baking the pies for the rest of my life, but I knew what I did so i just looked at what i did and the results that i would get just doing what i would do because i'm trying to provide for my family and and be successful at this thing called real estate and i had an awareness around that so when i started to hold other people accountable i used what i was able to do as my baseline and then from there i was able to see well how much can i consistently get out of other people some are going to do better some are going to do worse and I started to come up with an average that I could see across the board. Then if somebody didn't live up to that average, it was it was identifying itself to me that I had an issue that I needed to solve, a hole in the boat, if you will, with this person. And it allowed me to have really meaningful conversations.
0: Awesome. So let's let's break it down then. So you so in terms of tracking the first big bucket in in, in agent accountability, you mentioned seven things that you're measuring. Let's go through all of those
1: seven different metrics. Okay. So I had tracked as many as 21 things at one point and I whittled it down to seven. And the seven that I came up with were I need to track dials. I need to track conversations. I need to track appointments set, appointments met, agency obtained, new contracts, and then follow-up. And follow-up as I defined it was people that you've met with face-to-face that are not under contract. So, whenever you're going to track something, it's really important that everybody has the exact same definition of that thing you're going to track. And I don't find that to be the case when I talk to other realtors at happy hours at events. Um, you know, I might ask them like like for you, like what is it what does it mean to have a conversation? And they're like, well, it means this to me. And then I ask their person that's with them at their company, and they have a different answer. Like, we all have to have the exact same definition. Of the things that we're going to track in order for those numbers to be effective.
0: Awesome. And what's your, so every day, I'm assuming, is it five days a week, seven days a week, your agents are logging these into some sort of database? Is it daily?
1: They have to do it um, weekly at a minimum. Some of my agents would input the numbers daily. Uh, Some of them would do it at the end of a prospecting session. Some of them would just do it at the bare minimum, which was by two o'clock on Monday. Our weekly accountability meeting, uh, was every Tuesday, so by two p.m. Monday, we would need to have all of their numbers for the previous week, and that would give us an awareness as to what the tonality of the conversation was going to be going into the accountability meeting the following day.
0: Okay, and let's so let's break down. So that's that's the second part is that weekly accountability meeting. Is that a you know leadership and all of your sales team? Is that a group meeting that you're running?
1: Yeah, so we bring all of the sales force together and we do a weekly accountability meeting uh, from the perspective that what gets measured improves, but what gets measured publicly improves exponentially and everybody's numbers are there so they can't hide. And you know, it's it's amazing what people will do to avoid embarrassment. They'll do much more to avoid embarrassment than they will to provide for themselves or their family. So when you start to have that, collective, communal, like this is what we did and this is what we're gonna take account for. And then we'd go around the room and ask people, hey, talk to me about your week. And then we would highlight the successes of that week. So people, you know, I find that in sales agents especially, they love recognition, at least the good ones do. And I always tried to have good ones um, and attract good ones. So that recognition part is really important. And we would celebrate those wins and those agents that had great prospecting weeks and got great results. And then we would self-correct together. So one of the things that we would do in our accountability meeting that I think was really effective was instead of me constantly critiquing them as the leader, we would critique each other. So like, Hey, I'm struggling. Obviously like your numbers suggest that you're struggling with getting your dials in this week and having your conversations guys, what's working for you. Hey, you know, Jim, Jim, you're killing it week after week on your dials and your conversations. What's your strategy? Like, how are you accomplishing that? And then together, we come together as a team and a family, and that builds community and culture. And all of a sudden now, it's not just me critiquing them. It's all of us helping each other out to get to the end goal.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of team leaders see accountability as this really harsh thing that you do to somebody. Uh, When it's really, you're saying, you know, you do it with them or for them. And it's, it's, it's a group activity. It's not, everyone knows the standard. Everyone knows that if you're newer, maybe there's more conversations to set an appointment, but it's still like, there's no way around these seven. Like you can't be in sales, let alone real estate, any sales career. If you're not tracking the bare minimum.
1: Um, I always had this mentality around accountability That it was like a college football setting. And in order to be successful, we had to have a coach, somebody that was going to hold us accountable. And there's no athlete that's going to achieve the level of success that they're capable of without practice and without a coach. So I always looked at it as a responsibility that I had to the people that I brought on that, hey, I'm going to be your coach. And it's not as important to me that we're best buddies, as it is important to me that I'm going to be your coach. And I'm going to get you to a place that you're not going to get to on your own. And when you get to the championship, you're going to respect and revere me for having been that person in your life. And I just like, I always looked at accountability that way. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's a necessary thing. And if you do it well, they're going to respect you and revere you for it. And I feel that the culture that we were able to build at my company that we have to this day, the reason that the people that are there are there is because we provide that level of accountability and structure.
0: Awesome. And I'm assuming, so there are 12 or 15 people. Well, I mean, during COVID it might've been on the screen, but if it's physically, you're together, you're looking, you're looking at a screen, right? And you're either sort of cowering a little bit because your numbers suck week after week, after week, after week, and you're realizing that maybe you can't hang or you're you're puffing your chest because you had a good week. So you guys are it's it's all public that that weekly accountability meeting.
1: Yeah, and it and to to be perfectly honest, like it pushes some people away, but it pushes the right people up. And in that kind of environment, we're gonna push you up or push you out. And we're okay with either of those. But one of the two is definitely gonna happen.
0: Yeah, awesome. We're you you and I are both managing uh within our EXP organizations, we're both managing. A rev share challenge right now, and you know it's later in the challenge, so we're like ten weeks in at this point. There's only like six or seven people out of the twenty four that were originally in my group, or something crazy. And I asked these guys, and these these are all guys that are running, you know, forty to hundred twenty million dollar teams. So so top top of the top. And I asked them, you know, what do you want this call to continue? And under under what you know, under what rules. And they said that same exact thing. They 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 need me to kick them in the butt on a consistent basis. And a hundred percent, if if I continue that call, they will keep coming because they need it. They know that their success in anything is predicated on accountability. So it's interesting. People think that accountability is something. If you have people that are shying away from accountability in sales. Trust me, you don't want to be around those people on your team like it is a glaring, obvious like they just want to be successful without putting in the 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 actual effort.
1: And what you said there is good. And I think it's, you know, it's applicable to our real estate teams too. like, you know, if you need to jumpstart this thing, just put a challenge in place, like make it fun, like it doesn't have to be a grind, as they say, like, we feel like our accountability meetings are fun do they get serious sometimes yeah because you can't have an accountability meeting just like you can't have a conversation with somebody that's monotone all the time Mm -hmm. like it has to have a flutter to it and sometimes our accountability meetings are super fun and upbeat and we're crushing the month and we're hitting sales and some of them they're painful like we're, we're 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 not we're not happy but that's okay too like That's life. And that's that's the type of leader that you need to be to run a successful team. Certainly a team that's going to survive without you um, being there all the time is one where you're willing to have the hard conversations when they need to happen.
0: All right. So uh, the the number one thing was getting them to buy in on tracking and, and do the tracking part. Number two was that weekly group accountability meeting. What's, what's the third part here? I gather it's some kind of not so fun meeting or Maybe, maybe an, uh, an agent one-on-one where you're, you know, a little bit more like behind the scenes coaching and, and, and getting people that might be slipping away. What's, what's the, the one-on-one aspect?
1: Yeah, so, the, so it is the one-on-one aspect, um, but the buy-in starts when we hire them. So part of our recruiting presentation when we're talking to an agent about coming on our team is the expectation of what the accountability plan looks like. And a lot of times we'll have people that are interviewing us and another team. And the reason they choose us over the other team is because of our accountability plan. Not only are we telling them what it's going to be, but we're actually showing them. And there's a lot of confidence that's inspired when you can show them what your accountability plan is, because what it communicates to that prospect, that potential agent is I'm going to be safe with these guys. They're not going to let me fall through the cracks. So there isn't a buy-in conversation because once we hire you that buy-in conversation was from the from the from the beginning so they're on the team they know what's expected and then once we get into it the weekly meeting is either pulling them up or leaving them behind if they get left behind or if we notice any patterns with people that's where we're having a one-on-one and this is where everything changed in my business because I sort of did accountability and I did huddles and I did these things that coaches and people that, you know, I worked with told me I should do. And I observed from other teams, but it never really clicked until I identified what are the seven things that I'm going to stand for when I run my team and I'm going to help people do. Because prior to that, we'd have weak accountability meetings. And I found that the attendance at those meetings was, you know, a struggle And then the whole vibe and spirit of the meeting wasn't positive as, or as positive as I thought it could be because I hadn't clearly articulated and identified what it is that we were doing with accountability. Once we got the accountability metrics identified and then had a good weekly accountability meeting around those metrics, then the third thing, the one-on-ones became just pure fire. Because instead of sitting down with an agent and saying, I don't know, maybe somebody watching this can relate. You're frustrated when you sit down with an agent because you sit down with them and you're like, so how's it going? And you have a 30 minute conversation that doesn't help you at all and doesn't benefit them at all. And you feel like it's a big waste of time and then you stop doing it. That was the way it was for me early on until I got number one and two nailed. Then I could go into the one-on-one meeting and I had a very specific agenda to that meeting. It was Hey, let's both share something positive, both personally and professionally, because now it's just you and me. And I wanna, I wanna build our relationship personally and build our relationship professionally. So we're gonna go over a positive, both of us personally and professionally. Then we're gonna pull up your weekly numbers over the last month or since we last spoke. And when we pull up those numbers, we're gonna see exactly what your percentages are in each one of those seven categories. Now, if we're providing the leads. The numbers that we're expecting on the lead generation that we provide, that we find hold true across the whole company, is that you should be able to speak to 10% of the people that you get a lead for. Of those 10, you're going to convert 5% of those to an appointment. Of those appointments set, 75% are going to show up, you're going to set, and then met, you're going to be 60%. And these are across years and years and years of data. And then of the ones that show up to the meeting, you're gonna get agency with 50% of them. And then you're gonna have contracts with 95% of those that are gonna go through. And you're gonna follow up with the rest of the people that you met with on a seven, 14 or 30 day cadence. Meaning depending on what their timing and motivation is, you're either gonna have consistent follow-up seven, 14 or 30 days. If you don't do any one of those things, that lead is not your lead anymore. And we just have all of that nailed out in our lead management expectations that they sign when they come on. So once we know those numbers, we can pull up your stats against those numbers and we can say, okay, you're making the dials, but you're not having the conversations. So I'm not asking you how it's going. I'm identifying that we have a problem that we need to solve before we go anywhere else and it's, you're not connecting with enough people. So one of two things are happening. You're lying about your numbers or you're not calling at the right time. Let's identify that problem and let's set another appointment two weeks out to have another one on one. And let's agree to what the goal is going to be between now and then to get that number moving in the right direction. When you have that level of detailed conversations with your agents, what are you doing for them? You're really helping them. You're not just talking and just being, but you're actually helping them fix something that's going to help them achieve their goals. And then you just move down the line. Sometimes we talk to somebody and we're like, man, they're doing their dials. They're having their conversations. They're setting appointments, but they're not showing up to the appointment. Okay, let's role play right now. What are you saying when you set the appointment? What's your follow-up look like after you set the appointment before the appointment happens? Are you texting them? Are you reminding them? What's that look like? What are you saying? What are you sending specifically? And we'll identify that and we'll fix that. And it doesn't matter where we go down the sales cycle. You know, we'll have agents that do everything really, really good. And then all of a sudden they have a low in their business and we find out they're not following up with their leads properly. They're meeting with people and then they're just going right back to the lead pool and they're getting somebody else to meet with, and they're not actually seeing and providing value for the people they've met with and following up with them to move them through the sales cycle to a contract. So what I found is when we do this well, there's nowhere to hide. Either you're gonna we're gonna find out that you're BSing yourself and us somewhere, or we're going to find out what your problem is. And the good news is we know how to solve the problem. Between your coaching and all of our experience and everything that we have access to, we know how to do what's the best practice in that part of the sales cycle. And we know how to improve your numbers to where you should be on average for those stats that we have or better if you're doing a good job. So the the whole one on one thing went from being an annoyance and a waste of time, both for them and for me, to being the thing where we can move anybody forward, and we're going to push them up to where they want to be, goal wise, or we're going to push them out.
0: You know what strikes me just hearing you talk through this is, well, re- really two thoughts: the the overwhelming consistency that you must have applied, you know, just this sort of cadence and tracking and 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 all of it and and so my question is how often does this change how often do you throw a squirrel in there and hope that it's like or is this something that you have run this is like 7 years I've been running this exact same systems my margins are on point like how consistent is this sort of accountability system in your business
1: so we've been running this exact system with these exact seven things tracking these things since 2013
0: 8 years running
1: yeah, it doesn't change. and 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 let me help somebody out there who who may be internally saying, like, I struggle with that because you know, I'm a high eye or I like variation and like I don't like to be so repetitive and redundant. I don't either. Like I like a good sense of variety in my life, but I can get variety from other areas and I can find the variety in the success that we're achieving through people and the lives that we're changing. I don't need to get the variety from my accountability plan. And anytime I try to, you know, or I see people that, that don't adhere to a plan like this, the frustration that they have to experience and the, you know, the responsibility of the weight on falling on their shoulders of performing for their people, it just doesn't work any other way.
0: Yeah and and it leads to a marginally profitable business. So lack of accountability it's it's twofold. You're not holding your people accountable and you're if you can't hold people accountable through tracking, I promise you're not tracking your lead sources and you know how much money you're spending and how much is coming back. So it's this like no accountability in the business and it just leads the team leader to forever be in production. Totally. Most of the time not even net or, or profit in the business more than their own freaking personal production and they post these big numbers but it's this marginally if at all profitable business when you take their their personal production out of it we um, had to
1: make this work because the alternative was me being back in production and that wasn't going to happen
0: yeah and and it's it's going into it with a mindset of uh, of, of that and um let's let's talk a little bit about you know, you you pulled off what very few people in real estate will ever pull off—truly disconnecting yourself from the business where you're not involved in any client, anything. Super profitable business. You're 60 to 90 minutes a week in the business. What's the biggest risk or challenge that you see? Is there like do you stress about the business sometimes because you still own? Like, what, what are some risks or challenges you still experience with the business?
1: So my biggest challenge in my business was that it was super predictable and you could see the predictability of that model, both externally, like other people that would look at my business and be like, man, John's not in there and he lives in Bozeman and it continues to pump out hundreds of sales a year, but also internally. So internally, an agent who starts to follow an accountability plan realizes that, hey, this thing called real estate team building isn't rocket science. We get leads in and we do these activities with the leads. Over time, we're gonna be successful with those leads. And what ultimately happens and what I think the biggest challenge in our industry now is that we bring people in and show them the light. And then once they see it, then they can leave and they can go do it on their own. Now, there's definitely an argument to be made about like your presence and your branding and like what your marketing is. And how that circles back to you and the value that we provide but when you're maintaining you know a certain percentage of the gross revenue they look at that as an opportunity where hey i can go do this too and you know it's like anything else when it's done really well it looks simple even though it's not simple to do it really well and what i had the struggle of was i was constantly You know, I went from being a top producing agent, which we all know is like that hamster wheel, right? Like you just never, you're on that treadmill of selling houses. And I went from that hamster wheel to the new hamster wheel, which is now I'm spinning off my top producers every three to five years because they're like, Hey, I get it. I understand this model. Hey, John, thanks for changing my life and showing it to me. I'm going to go do it on my own now. And I couldn't solve that problem, Lars. And I had just kind of accepted that that was what it was going to be for as long as I was going to be in this career. And I would just constantly keep bringing new people in, training them up. And it wasn't really until I looked at EXP and this isn't a plug for EXP. I just think it's important to understand that like, that's a problem that if you're facing that you don't have to continue to deal with that problem because EXP gave me a vehicle and an opportunity to where all the time and effort that I put into training these people up and holding them accountable and being a great coach they can move on and they can move on within this model. And I can still be a part and I can still provide coaching and counseling and support to the intricacies of, okay, now you're a business owner running a team. Let me help you navigate what that looks like and help you put some things in place that maybe you didn't see as an agent member of my team. And both, and together we both win. So that that's been the biggest change in my world in the last year is coming over into this model, realizing that, Hey, nothing has to change. Like In fact, everything that we're doing, we're going to keep doing. We're just going to do it on this platform that gives me further reach and further opportunity to serve the people that are on my team, even if and when they decide to leave my team. How many
0: agents do you have on your team locally in in Charlotte?
1: Uh, 14 right now.
0: And how many are you impacting in your EXP organization?
1: Uh, Over 800.
0: Yeah. So talk about leverage. Uh, and John, John was the, the, if you've heard my story, John was the the guy that called me and, and got me to slow down to, to look at eXp and really study it. And I experienced the same thing, like the, the, the leverage, I think my organization sold over a thousand homes last month, over a thousand homes last month, which is crazy.
1: So crazy. You know,
0: I, I think the most ever in my career as a, as a traditional team leader was like, maybe 60, but that came along with it, you know, a six figure monthly overhead, you know, yeah. so easily spending 1.2 to 1.5 million and just, just overhead advertising people and, and, uh, and sort of overhead expenses. And we um, can do
1: that model and it works. And like, you showed me how to build a highly profitable real estate team that allowed me to take myself out of that and have a lot of leverage but saying no to exp once you fully understand what it can do for the existing model that you're running is just saying i want this to be harder than it has to be because it's not going to take anything away from your doing it's not going to affect your branding like our branding is still roost real estate now we're just powered by exp and we're on this platform it's just literally adding on to what we have and allowing us to scale and build leverage that there's that we could never have done in our current real estate teams or businesses
0: Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it also gives your agents more opportunity than they could have had otherwise. You know, Mm -hmm. if, if you figure out how to get off the transaction treadmill, your agents may not have an opportunity. If, if you're sort of just, they sell you, they sell a house and you tell them to turn around and go sell another one. Like there's, there's nothing else. Just keep doing what you're doing as long as you can until I burn you out and you go out of my world. And and that doesn't exist anymore. All right, let's, let's end with this. I want to, I want you to give advice to the John of like, before you started a team, what, what advice would you give yourself, you know, with all you've learned and the good you've done and the trip trip ups you've had, what advice would you give your eight or nine year olds, you know, going back eight or nine or 10 years before you started a real estate team?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I want to give an answer that is going to be meaningful, but also applicable to people that might be listening to this. And my number one piece of advice that I would have for my 10 year ago self would be do less things better, meaning stop trying to do 20 different things, you know, because you heard about something at a coaching thing you went to, or a seminar you went to, and it sounded cool. Like just do a few things extremely well, and you'll be as successful as you want to be. And you'll have a whole lot less stress to boot.
0: Yeah, that that's awesome. And so a really tangible example of that, we had a guy at in real estate B school, um, just the hardest worker ever up at 4am, literally, and like goes to bed at 1am, and is like working like nonstop to build a, a business. And I asked him this question in front of 150 people, you know, and I, I knew the answer, how many times have you changed your CRM, in the last you know four or five years and he had changed his crm which is you know it, it takes a lot of work to get a crm Fantastic. running in the right direction he changed it in as many years like uh, like once a year on average he was changing his crm and really? like you're using the same tools
1: since 2000 i'm using the same crm since i've been using since 2009
0: yeah same crm same ultimate business tracker Same KDNA, which is like there are like better, sexier versions of all those and none of it makes a difference. I I told members in in our, you know, when Sisu came out, nothing wrong with Sisu. It's probably awesome. It's probably it's probably amazing. But I didn't even demo it. I didn't even look at it. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's not gonna move the needle in the business. I promise you it's not. Right. We had so many people just stop what they were doing because like this wildfire started to spread about that thing or it doesn't matter what the thing is. So if you're from Sisu and this is not a, a, a ding on it but it happened to come through and, and blaze a trail and take people off of the tracking system that we were using for nothing literally for no advancement in their business. So that that piece of advice is gold right there. So
1: it's something interesting about this industry right now that I think is worth mentioning. 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, this was a lead generation opportunity driven team building model. Lead generation is not an issue anymore. Any person who got their license yesterday doesn't have a lead generation problem. They can go out and generate leads, they can buy leads, they can get any CRM, it'll generate leads. What we have right now is a agent accountability crisis because everybody wants to get to the team leader position before they've even sold their first house. So if we solve the agent accountability problem and we do that well, I know you're gonna win in your team, you're gonna win in your marketplace. It's not a lead generation problem yet we're constantly being squirreled here and squirreled there because there's some new platform that came out that promises that lead generation is somehow going to be easier on their platform than on your platform. And the reality is, it's it's, it's a lie.
0: Yeah. Everyone wants to be a rock star, but nobody wants to learn that, learn the chords right? i totally. <laughs> just want to be on stage and with all the fans and all the lights. And uh, John, this was awesome. What's the best way someone can get in touch with you to ask questions about uh, the team model or EXP? Or? Oh, you
1: can, you can find me online or on Facebook or on Instagram. I'll, I'll reply it? to your messages. Awesome.
0: All right. Cool. Yeah. And if you're at a point in your journey where, you know, this is sort of ringing true or you're entering the, the phase of building a real estate team, um, I would say just go to realestatebeatschool.com. Check out uh, other episodes of Real Estate Team Builders. Um, we've got some really awesome resources for you. So much love, my brother, John. I appreciate all you do.
1: Yeah, man. Appreciate you.
0: All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening.
1: Would you please take a
0: minute to share the show with other team leaders who may be struggling? And if you love the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you wanna learn step-by-step how to build a profitable real estate team that allows you to get out of the real estate grind and live the lifestyle you've been dreaming about, visit us at joinrebs.com, that's joinrebs.com our coaching training systems and support will help you get more high quality leads, increase your conversions and sales, improve your client experience, and allow you to scale your real estate business, all while reducing the amount of hours you work and the stress you endure. Just go to joinrebs.com for more info now. See you on the next episode.